Or maybe they ask it this way, if he is all-powerful and he really does love us, why doesn't he stop the pain, the suffering, and the evil that's in this world? And so people look at that and they use that as a deterrent for their faith. Well, I don't want to believe in a God who allows there to be pain, suffering, evil, violence in the world. If he could stop all of that, why doesn't he? Why would I believe in someone like that? What we need to understand and we need to recognize is that evil is as old as Adam and Eve. Evil goes all the way back to the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 17. God says there is a tree planted in the middle of the garden. It's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, you're not to eat of that tree. For in the day that you eat of that tree, he says, you will surely die. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. What does that mean? Is he talking about physical death? No. He's talking about a spiritual death that separates man from God. He's talking about a spiritual death that becomes a, a roadblock, that becomes a barrier between us and him. We are now separated. And he said, the day you eat of that tree and you gain the knowledge of good and evil, the difference of those two things, he said, you will surely die. Now, we know what happened with that is that Satan saw an opportunity because of evil to come in and tempt man and cause man to disobey God. And man did. Man disobeyed God. And with that the introduction of evil to mankind. In fact, if you move over just one chapter in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 10, we know that they heard God in the cool of the evening in the garden, and God was calling Adam, where are you? And Adam said, we heard you, we knew you were looking for us, and we were naked, and so we hid ourselves. In other words, we were ashamed or we were embarrassed. And so immediately we see Evil, bringing man to disobedience and sin. And we see the results of that is guilt or shame or embarrassment. And so the reaction is to what? Remove ourselves from the presence of God. That's the death that he's talking about. Adam and Eve had a perfect opportunity to fellowship with God, to communicate with God, and to commune with God. And yet when evil introduced sin into their life, immediately it brings this guilt, this shame, this embarrassment, um, this, this difficulty in their heart and mind. And so what do they do? They try to remove themselves from the presence of God. We hid ourselves from you. We, we removed ourselves from you and we, we hid ourselves because we knew we were naked. And of course we know God goes on and says, well, who told you you were naked? And the events begin to unfold from that moment in time. We see in Genesis 6, very quickly, that evil has escalated. And when we look at that and recognize that, I know that we say that the world is 
full of evil today, more evil and violence that we've ever seen before, I'm not sure that that's true. And here's why I say that. Because the evil and violence that we saw in Genesis chapter 6 caused God, the Scripture says, to regret that He had created man. And His desire was to eliminate man and all that He had created because of their sinfulness and their evil. And in regard to that, we know that He found one that found favor with God, and that was Noah and his family. And there was so much evil and so much violence and so much disobedience in Genesis chapter 6 that God chose to eliminate everything from the face of the earth except what was preserved in the ark. I don't know. We're still here. He hasn't chosen to eliminate all that has been created at this point in time in history. So is this really the most evil, the most violent, the most corrupt or, or unrighteous that has ever existed? I don't know. But I know that God's Word teaches us that, that evil has a profound effect on our lives. And that with that profound effect that we need to understand how to deal with that in our life. It affects us in regards to our hearts. It affects us in regards to our minds. It affects us in regards to every part of our life. And so this morning I want us to take just a moment to look in the book of James in chapter 1. In the book of James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, the author writes and gives us some instruction in regards to evil and its impact on our lives. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. And he says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Stop right there. First and foremost, you and I need to know and to understand, God does not tempt us. He says, well, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. God does not sit around throwing temptation in our way, seeing if he can catch us doing wrong. It's not what he does. It's not what he's about. But for some reason, people, because of evil, get caught up in that and say, well, God, and they blame him. I mean, after all, that's the way it's been since the beginning of time, right? When Adam and Eve, when evil first entered the world, Eve took of the fruit and she ate. And when God confronted them about it, what did Adam say? Well, God, this woman that you gave me, right? He immediately began to blame it on God. And we've done that throughout the course of history, that if there is evil, that if there is is temptation, that, that if there's something sinful and wrong, we want to blame God. We want to put the blame on Him and say somehow that it's His fault that these things have happened. In fact, the matter is the Scripture teaches us that that is nothing could be further from the truth. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. And He Himself does not tempt anyone. He does not tempt us to do something wrong. His desire is for us to do right. 
His desire is for us to do good and to live good and to live righteously in our lives. And so He does not, will not ever tempt us to do something wrong. Now pick up in verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lusts. Temptation is my problem. It's not God's problem. It's not anybody else's problem. Notice it doesn't say when someone else tempts them. Notice it doesn't say when someone else entices them. It says that, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his, what? Own lust. It's my problem. Evil in my life is not anybody else's problem. It's my problem. It's my own lust. It's my own desires. It's yielding to my own temptation and my own enticements that leads me to look at verse 15. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. We're way back in Genesis, the very beginning of time, when God said there is a tree in the midst of the garden, a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you eat of it, you will surely what? Die. When we are tempted of our own, not anybody else's problem, it's our problem. And we are lured away, the scripture says, then that temptation, when it's given full acceptance, becomes sin. And that sin, when accomplished, is death. Separation from God. It's been that way since the beginning of time. And it will always be that way until God's return. And what we need to know and to understand is how it impacts us in our life. The lure of evil desires. That's the first thing I want us to see today. In verse 14, James points out that each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. The allure of evil desires often entangles us and leads us astray from the path of righteousness which God intends for us. That's what He intended for Adam and Eve, right? From the very beginning, He intended righteousness He intended a a perfect and complete and harmonious life. And yet when they were lured away, how were they lured away? Satan said what? See how good this looks? Set your eyes on that. Isn't that? And it was her own lust. It was her own desires. And then he said, let me tell you a lie. God says, when you eat it, you're going to die. And he said, "You, you really won't die. I mean, God is, no, if He's really God, He wouldn't do that to you. He's, he's too good of a God, right? He's too loving of a God. He wouldn't do that to you. And it was her own desire, it was her own lust, it was, it was her own enticement that caused her to take and to eat. And same thing for Adam. It wasn't Eve's problem. It wasn't God's problem. It wasn't Satan's problem. It was Adam's problem. And Adam took and ate also. And when they did, evil was introduced. And that evil led to sin, and that sin brought about a separation from God. It divided us from Him, and it caused a spiritual death. Every one of, ex- of us experiences that, sin- that, that spiritual death. The Scripture says that all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. you understand what that means? That means that every one of us have been separated, that we've experienced spiritual death and separated from God because of sin in our life. There are no exceptions. You're not an exception to the rule. I'm not an exception to the rule. We can go throughout the course of history. There are no exceptions to the rule. Everyone has sinned and been spiritually separated, experienced spiritual death, and been experientially separated from God because of sin that began where? Not any place else, but in my heart and in my mind. When we are enticed, tempted and enticed, and lured away by our own desires, is what he says. And we need to understand who's responsible. Evil desires can manifest in many forms. They can come in the form of lust, greed, envy, anger, pride. All of those can lead us, and those are just a few, can lead us down a path that ends in spiritual death and separation from God. And we justify those things, right? So we can explain them away. Well, you know, so-and-so tempted me or such-and-such tempted me. We blame it on something else, right? Or we say things like this. Well, it's just my nature. It's who I am. Or we blame it on God, right? This is the way He created me. He created me like this, right? We put all the blame on everybody else except ourselves. And then we can rationalize and we can explain it away and we say things like this. Well, it doesn't hurt anybody else. It's just my my deal, right? Or nobody knows or nobody will know. So we rationalize and we explain it away. We, We work through these things in order to convince ourselves that it's okay to do these things. So we rationalize and we explain it away, and it still leads to sin that leads to separation, spiritual death, separation from God. That's the lure of evil, the birth of sin. He says when we yield to those temptations, notice this, it's not wrong to be tempted. It's not wrong to be enticed. In fact, the Scripture says that Jesus was tempted in every manner such as we are. Yet we know he was perfect and he was without sin. So what's the problem? The problem is when we yield to it. When we surrender to that temptation, when we surrender that enticement, when we give ourselves over to that, and that is the birth of sin. And that's what James chapter 1 and verse 14 tells us. It says that when that that temptation or that enticement has been given its way, in other words, we surrender to it, then it gives birth to sin disobedience to God. And when sin is fully accomplished, it brings forth death. We need to understand and and recognize the evilness of this world, the violence of this world, has been from the beginning of time, and we can look through history and scriptures and other places and see how God has dealt with it throughout the course of history and throughout the course of time and understand that it brings about in our lives a separation from Him. And that is a spiritual death. It is a struggle that we face. It is a difficulty that we come with. And then the consequences are what we deal with the consequences of that temptation or that enticement and yielding to it, allowing it to become sin in my life, brings me the consequences of death. Spiritual death, separation from God. It is the most horrible thing that we can experience. 
It is the most tragic and difficult thing in all of life to be separated from God, the creator of the universe, who put us here, placed us here with an intent and purpose. And he placed us here with a desire to lead us and guide us and direct us so that he could put his spirit within us and help us to live the way that he desires for us to live. And when we yield to that temptation, that enticement, and when we sin, he says we experience death, which is a spiritual death, and it's a separation from him. And everything that he desired for us, we say no. That's what we're saying. And that's literally what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden when when God came looking for them and said, Adam, where are you? And he said, hey, listen, we heard you. We recognized we were naked. And so what do we do? We separated ourselves. We hid ourselves from you. We didn't want to be in your presence any longer because of our guilt and our shame and our embarrassment. And we do exactly the same thing. Understand this. This is so critical for you and I to get a a handle on in our lives. When he talks about spiritual death, he never moves himself from our presence. It is us removing ourselves from his presence. God never looks at us and says, Oh, you horrible sinner. All these horrible things that you've done and you've disobeyed me, and so I am done with you. God doesn't do that. God loves us. God desires to do the best for us. He wants to help us in life. He wants His Spirit to live within us. He he sacrificed His Son for us. And so understand, it is exactly what happened in the garden that when we talk about spiritual death and separation from God, that is the choice we make. Adam and Eve chose to hide themselves from God, to separate themselves from His presence because they were guilty and they were embarrassed and they were ashamed because of their sin. We do the same thing. We separate ourselves from God because we are guilty, we are embarrassed, we are ashamed, and so we hide ourselves from Him. In other words, we pull ourselves away from His presence. He never pulls Himself away from our presence. That is the consequences of sin. That is the price that is paid when we allow ourselves to be tempted and to be enticed And then to surrender to that and let it become sin. And sin, when it's born out of that enticement and out of that temptation, when it is full grown, when it grows up and matures and sin happens in our life, he says, then we experience death. The consequences are death. And that death is a separation from God. It's a choice we make because of the actions we take and how we live our life. Now, all of that said, you think, wow, Man, Tim, that's a bummer. Could could you bring us any more bad news today? Well, no, but I can bring you some good news. And the good news is this. The Scripture is perfectly clear that God has made a play for us to overcome. For us to overcome the temptation. For us to overcome the desires. For us not to yield to the sin. And for us not to experience that death. Despite of all of the devastating effects of evil, God has not left us without hope. Through His Son, Christ Jesus, and through His death on the cross, He conquered sin, He conquered death, He conquered the grave, and He gives us the opportunity for victory as well. 
The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit allows us, when the enticement comes, when the temptation comes, to stop it right there and say, no, don't go a step further. I will not allow this enticement. I will not let this temptation. I will not let it control my life and yield to it and allow it to become sin. I'm going to tell you, that's not always easy. I'm going to tell you, that is the struggle of life that we face each and every day. So how do we overcome it? By the power of God, by the presence of God, and by His Spirit living in our heart. And when we are in His Word, and we know what His Word teaches us and tells us, when His Spirit is within us, then we have the ability to win the day and to overcome that temptation, that enticement. And when it comes, we know we can go back in Scripture and find Jesus gave us a prime example and what? When he was tempted by Satan, what did he say? It is written. What did he use to fight the temptation and the enticement that Satan was giving him? He used the Word. He used God's presence, God's power, and God's Word to fight against the temptation and not yield to it. So the only way for you and I to have that victory is to have Christ Jesus in our hearts and in our lives, to have His Spirit living within us to help us each and every day, and then to have His Word so that from His Word we can defend against the enticements and the temptations when they come. So that we can say when we are tempted and when we are enticed, no, God's Word says this is wrong. And this is why it is wrong. So how do I deal with it? According to God's Word, this is what I do. Now, you can, can name any circumstance, situation in life, and His Word will give us exactly those steps. His Word will say, no, this is wrong. That's what we call our conscience. Our conscience says, man, I shouldn't do this. That's our conscience is speaking to us and telling us this is wrong. That's God working in our life. So then how do I deal with it? Well, if I know His Word, His Word says this is how I deal with it. What did Jesus say when, when He was enticed and tempted with, with bread from Satan? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Right? And so He used the Scripture to go, nope, I know that's a temptation. I know that's an enticement. I know I am starving. My body craves food. But God's Word says, this is how I deal with that. Every temptation that comes, every enticement that comes, God's Word, if we'll get into His Word, we'll read it and we'll study it, and we'll, we'll learn the Scriptures, it gives us an answer to that temptation. It gives us a response to that enticement. But if I don't have that response, if I don't have that answer, then guess what happens? I yield. The enticement comes, the temptation comes, and I don't know how to defeat it. I don't know how to deal with it. I don't have God's Word prepared to respond to it. And so, what do I do? I give in to it. And when I give in to that enticement and, and, and that temptation, the Scripture says it, it, it gives birth to sin. And sin, then when it grows up and is full grown, brings about death. And so what happens? I sin, and that sin then makes me feel guilty. It makes me feel embarrassed. It, it, it causes me then to, to, to say, uh, oh, I don't want to get into God's presence because I know what I've done. I, I don't want to talk to God because I know what I've done, and I'm embarrassed by that. I'm ashamed by that. I'm guilty of that. And that's exactly what happens. So we can have victory. We can overcome. He has given us the power to do that through Jesus Christ and through the indwelling of His Spirit. 
But we have to invite Him into our hearts. We have to invite Him into our lives. And we have to spend time in the Word, allowing the Word to dwell within us, to grow within us, to give us the response that we need when temptation and enticements comes, that we can stand firm and say, I know this is wrong, and here's God's response to it. Now, once we do that, and we have one victory then it's easier to have the second victory. And once we have two victories, it's easier to have three victories. And once we've had four victories, and it goes on and on. And so we get stronger, and we get stronger. That's what we call growing spiritually. And we grow spiritually when we get deeper in the Word, when we understand more of the Word, and the fact that God's given us the Word to deal with these things in our lives. And so through that, he promises us and gives us the idea that we can overcome evil. That we can stand against enticement and temptations. And he's given us a plan, and he's given us a purpose, and he's given us a means in which to do that. And he sacrificed his son so that we might know his grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness. And so you and I need to be aware of evil in this world. But we need to understand that the impact of evil on us comes from within us and from within our minds and from from within our ability to use God's Word to defend ourselves or to not or the lack thereof. And so this morning, we're going to offer an invitation And the invitation is for a time for us to look at our lives and to ask some questions about where we are in regards to our spiritual journey. Are we allowing this idea that, well, if God loves us, if if God really cares about us, a God all-powerful, why would He allow pain and suffering and evil and all of these things that I deal with? Are we going to allow that to hold us away from God, to separate us from Him and His power and His presence? Or are we going to say today, you know what, God's given me a perfect plan. He sacrificed His Son, Jesus, so that I might experience His forgiveness and His love and His grace and His mercy. And He's given me the ability to stand against these enticements and these temptations. I just have to allow His Spirit to have control of my heart and my mind. And I just have to get deeper in the Word so that I know how to combat these things that are coming in my life. The choice is up to us. We have decisions to make, directions to take. And so this morning we invite you to come as we stand and we sing.